This is the You Winning Life Podcast, your number one source for mastering a positive existence. Each episode, we'll be interviewing exceptional people, giving you empowering insights, and guiding you to extraordinary outcomes. Learn from specialists in the worlds of integrative and natural wellness, spirituality, psychology, and entrepreneurship. So you too can be winning life. Now, here's your host, licensed marriage and family therapist, certified neuro-emotional technique practitioner, and certified entrepreneur coach, Jason Wasser. Hey everybody, I'm really excited today to have an awesome guest joining us. Um, on the screen with us is Luke Segreto. He is the founder of Indigo Rising Films, located outside of Philadelphia in Philadelphia, right? Yep. yep. Cool. So, uh, welcome to the welcome to the You Winning Life podcast. And um, since we're really just getting started, tell us a little bit about who you are, what you're doing, where you come from, a little bit of that background story. Sure. Oh, well, thank, thank you so much for having me. And um, yeah, so I'm originally from uh, Toms River, New Jersey, and uh, that's where I grew up. And that's and I went to college in, uh, in Connecticut at Quinnipiac University. And then um, in 2000, the beginning of 2014, I moved to Los Angeles with my now wife and uh, was there for about four and a half years. And then uh, just in September, we moved back to the East Coast and we're in, uh, in Philadelphia right now. And uh, yeah, it's been uh, it's been great. Um, trying to think of where to where to start from there <laughs> wow. first of all congratulations i know it was what Thank two you. weeks ago was the yeah just a couple weeks ago i got married yeah. <laughs> congrats, congrats so we can talk all about all the new things that you're learning and want to share sure. all the the new newly newlyweds out there but one of the main things that we wanted to bring you on about was the fact that you're an artist you're a filmmaker you're a documentary yes. creator how did that start where did that come from how far back was this your passion Actually, when I was in uh, in eighth grade, so I was probably I guess thirteen years old. Um, I actually found my dad's old, uh, well now old, his his camcorder <laughs> that he had in uh, in the closet, and I was like, "Can I borrow this?" And he's like, "Yeah, go ahead." And I went outside and I started making real stupid videos, just me and my friends, you know, throwing things, riding bikes, just silly stuff. But um, from there, um, I had to actually use a VHS, I, I mean a VCR, and like put in a v VHS and like press play and record to get uh to actually edit that way and uh it only came out so good but then uh from there once i found out that uh i could import it into my computer and i could edit on there i was hooked immediately and i was like this could be a job <laughs> i can do this for for a job because uh, at that time it was still um it wasn't that accessible i think for just your average person who wanted to just get into it you kind of had to jump through a lot of hoops and buy expansion cards and stuff for my computer to be able to even get it on my computer. But from there, I, that's, I wanted to be a video editor. And that was kind of my dream from when I was in eighth grade. And it kind of just, I, I've been hooked ever since. So going from a video editor to a content yep. creator. Yeah. Talk to me about that process. Sure. So that, that's something that kind of transformed over the time. I mean, back in that day, before that was before YouTube started. Mm -hmm. So there wasn't really ever, um, I was never thinking about like, how is this video? It was just, I made what we, me and my friends made whatever was fun and whatever, whatever I was excited about. And I would try, I, I would try anything because I was only showing it to my friends. And I think there was a, back at that point, I was always in front of the camera. It was kind of normal. You just hand my friend the camera and be like, here, hold it. <laughs> and then you, you start talking to the camera and it was kind of a normal thing. 
And then I guess over as time went on, video editing was my passion. And that was kind of what let me take all these little random things and pull it together and tell a story. And that was something that always excited me that you could take a bunch of random different things, even stuff different people filmed and put it into one thing and kind of make it into this cohesive piece of work. And that was something that always, uh, always excited me. And then I guess only recently I started to kind of come back around to the whole, just kind of doing every part of it. And as I feel like the more I was able to, um, I, I worked as a, as doing video editing, I've worked as, I worked at a Technicolor Postworks in New York City. And um, that was as a digital media technician doing video trans, transcodes and conversions. And, and that kind of gave me the seeing a lot of different mistakes, I guess you would say, you know, having footage come in that was not shot correctly and having to deal with it. And then doing that enough times kind of helped me to realize, okay, these are the things, the mistakes that I don't want to make when I'm filming and, and stuff to be aware of for how you're, how I'm filming and filming styles. And it just kind of helped open my eyes to a lot of other, how much more is going on than I was aware of before I kind of had that job, you know? So how much influence were you getting from other people, from other editors, from other people that were either your age or older as you were going through this process? Because there's a steep learning curve. You know, one yeah. of the things I realized as you were talking, um, since I'm a, a little bit older than you, is that you went from an analog yep. world to a fully digital world from the time yeah. you started uh, being playful with this as a little kid. Yeah. <laughs> now, right. A VHS and right. And, and having to stop and start it and then convert it <laughs> to expansion file. Right. That, the, a lot of people, especially right. The young emerging adults, right. Those mm -hmm. year olds that are doing YouTube videos and they're trying to get yep. seen or people who are just now fully, you know, they're doing this for fun or for um, in college or getting to the career. They have no clue. Yeah. Coming from that analog world, mm -hmm. fully digital world. What was that process, that learning curve? like for you, um, helped you out along the way? Um, for me, I think, uh, I think I was lucky enough to, I feel like having that kind of crossover time when I, it, I think I, I was a little, I wasn't so scared to, to fail. <laughs> and I wasn't afraid to, if I make a video and it's terrible, who cares? You know, there was never that, that fear that I found that I actually, like a few years ago that I found that I became a bit of a perfectionist. And that's kind of what, that was kind of my challenge for a while after getting out of college that you see all this great stuff online and you go, Oh, well, this isn't as good as that. that I'm not even going to bother putting this up. And I, I think that you got to put some stuff out there to continue to get better. And then being a, being okay with failing and realizing that you can never fail unless you quit, <laughs> you know, that like you got to just yeah. keep going and keep going along. And I mean, if you look at the stuff that I even made several years ago, it's like, Oh, <laughs> I can't believe I thought that was good a few years ago. But at the same time, it helped me improve and I learned from my mistakes. And the only way to get better, especially with, with art and creative works, is to keep doing it, as far as I found in my experience. Because if you think that, oh, I already know all that, I don't need to try that again, it's probably not true. And <laughs> you probably need yeah. to keep doing it to, to, to improve. So this amazing philosophy of don't be scared to fail, just put stuff out there. How does that apply to other aspects of your life? Um, Definitely, definitely that's something that I've, I've worked with and, and I'm getting better at because um, I feel like I've always, I've been a perfectionist in every, that obviously isn't just for video work, <laughs> that's for everything that I do and you always want, I mean, it's fine to want to improve and to be better and to continue to, to strive towards that and, and I've always found that for me, always seeing people doing better work than me has always inspired me, wow, look how much better I can be as opposed to, 
oh, I suck. I, this isn't good enough. And, and, and obviously, NET, <laughs> been, I, before I don't, we're getting into that yet, but that's been a huge help for me kind of getting over those hurdles because it, it can be, you can get really uh, down on yourself. If you, if you don't have, if all the feedback you're getting is negative, if you don't kind of have that drive and that ambition to keep going, I mean, even for me, when I was younger, when you're, ma I make silly videos, you make a silly music video with you and your friends and then people goes, eh, it's okay. You know, and, and you know, if people don't, don't have that same excitement that you have, if you're not, if you don't kind of just brush that off, it can, you can go, oh, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Mm -hmm. And that's, and that's never, uh, never a, a fun road to go down if you're uh, really doubting yourself. You know? Right. And it's really interesting that while you're talking about this, the first thing that came to my mind is that they don't see all the edits Right, from, yeah. <laughs> that goes into the final yeah. piece, right? Yes. And, and a lot of times if we want to look at it from a psychological perspective, right, you're sitting there and you're taking hours and hours and hundreds of hours, sometimes thousands <laughs> of things of, of outtakes and things we have to do over and over again or just didn't look right. And you have the ability in present day to edit something to make it crisp and clean. Yeah. Right? Yes. And, and here we are going through life and in real time, we might not have the ability. Exactly. Because yeah. we're always trying to put out the final product in real time yes. to like, to, you know, to get approval, to make sure that we're yeah. liked, whatever it may be. Exactly. But people, don't, I don't know if people can, you know, who are listening out there really can see like if they watched some of your documentaries, which we're going to talk about your most recent one in a few minutes, but they don't see all of the work, the hours yeah. of, right, of cutting. And I, I forget, I forget who said as someone that it took, it took me took me 17 years to be an overnight success mm -hmm. <laughs> that, that, that people only see that final like piece or, and I think we also give a lot of sometimes even some like, like I forget that when you get to that final piece that you forget all the other stuff that yeah. led you to there, you know, you put so much emphasis on this one moment that it, it was all because of that. Like, no, it was all because of the hours and months and years of hard work that got, got me to that mm -hmm. point. And, and the, and the lot of tons of mistakes and, and the other, failed things. And I think that uh, if I may add just one more thing about what I was saying before that I think the biggest shift that happened for me over the past couple of years was not trying to be like other people, like take influence from people and use tactics that well, maybe tactics isn't the right word, but use um, techniques, I should say, yeah. of people that are doing things that you want to be doing, but don't just copy them and be like, oh, I need to have it exactly like them. Because I think I got lost in that trap for, for, for several years when I was younger, when I was in my early twenties to just, Oh, I, I want it to be just like him. Like I want like that, this guy that I would different people that I would follow, like, Oh, it, it's not as good as that. Or, Oh, they had a really interesting piece. Cause I think that when you get stuck following someone trying to do exactly how someone's doing, you kind of lose you. And I think that that over the past couple of years, the biggest breakthrough for me has been that I have a unique voice and that what I'm doing is unique to me. And that if I'm not, letting that come through, then I'm kind of doing everyone else a disservice and myself a disservice because only I have my unique perspective. And just like everybody else, only you have your unique perspective, you know, and that's right. So as you're tying all that together, sure. I have this, this linear thing in my mind as you're talking yeah. <laughs> storyteller, mm -hmm. right? You have an idea that you want to tell a story about, and there's an outcome of, of what that story is that you want to share. Mm -hmm. Right. And then you create a script or experiences or you, you, you would shoot or gather data around that planned outcome, right? Because mm -hmm. you want to, 
right? There's a hypothesis, I guess, right? Is that yes. how it would make sense as, yeah. as a storyteller, as a documentary producer and creator? How would you personally compare that to what we do psychologically in our own life? Because one of the things that I know about you and especially the the viewers and listeners are going to probably pick up about you very quickly is your positive mindset and think about <laughs> what you've done along the way to help you get there. Yeah. How would you connote that? Cause I really see that creating, doing what you're doing is no different than what I'm doing as a therapist is that I'm helping people change the, the everybody's a storyteller, mm-hmm. right? We all yep. have, um, Stories. But, but right, but we, you're coming with a planned outcome of what you want it to look like at the end. I think that people get stuck in their script and therefore their planned outcome. It's, mm. you know. Yeah, I, I, think I, I think I know it's, I have something to say for yeah. where, where you're going with that. So just that's been another big piece for me is that the where I'm trying to go with it to be okay, that it's going to shift and it's going to change and it's going to morph into something usually that's better. Always that's better if you let it. Because obviously, yes, you have to have outcomes and you have to have an intention as to where you're going. But for me, especially with this documentary, what I initially planned, it morphed into something different than it wanted to be. And, you know, and kind of let it take a mind of its own, like kind of let it grow into what it wants to be. But still, you still have to have the drive and still have to be moving towards a particular outcome. But at the same time, I think this is how this carries over into life is the same kind of thing that I need this thing, right? I need this thing and that's, that's going to move me forward in my career. But what if this other thing comes up that's a better decision? But if you're so like narrow-minded on this, it has to be this way, you're kind of missing what these new opportunities that can be popping up for you. And, and the way stuff unfolded with the documentary, it's just there were too many coincidences, coincidences to say that it, it was a coincidence. <laughs> the, the way stuff kind of unfolded, just being open to if something better is going to open up for how this is going to unfold, I need to be okay with that. And just even you were saying how the edits happen, the edits happen, the whole idea that I had for the whole intro of the movie, I threw away. Mm-hmm. Once I had a, one of my friends who uh, composed about half of the music for the, for, the, uh, for the movie, he gave me this idea that he had, and it was just like something clicked. It was like, yes, this is the new, this is the new beginning. And I just threw out what I had, and a, whole, a way better intro happened. And that was because if I was I'm like, how can I fit this into this, I, this idea that I had before, it kind of, I, blo- I would have been blocking this way better idea that was trying to, to manifest itself. So this idea of relative influence, of surrounding yes. yourself by people that are going to give you these amazing resources, help you see bigger than what you might presently see. There's been something in your life that you kind of grew up with that yes. has helped you <laughs> with that. So... Give us, give us a little bit of, a, of information on what that is and where that came from and who introduced you to it and what, what, how that's been a positive resource in your life. Sure. So um, when I was 10 years old, um, I was, I, I'd be at home and I'd be doing my homework and I would just get really frustrated and I would just like get into this rage and start crying and I just I couldn't do my work. And uh, luckily for me, my dad had just gone to a seminar in California and uh, he learned about something called neuroemotional technique or NET. And he came back and he was like, let me, let me try this, this. I learned this new thing. Let's see if it works. And I was like, okay. And then, so we tried it and we did an ET. And then all of a sudden the next day I was going, I, I got home from school. And I would do my homework and I just wasn't frustrated anymore. And I was just doing my work. And I was like, Hey dad, whatever you did really helped. And he was like, Oh, you sure you're not just saying that? I was like, no, it's something's different. And as a 10 year old, I mean, I had no, no frame of reference at all as to what had happened. It was just like, 
I had this problem and it went away and I didn't really know what that meant. But then as I kind of grew up with it and as I started to realize that when I would get, have these blocks and these emotional problems, I started to realize that my thoughts and my emotions are affecting my life. That, that was all I knew. I didn't know any of the sciences, obviously as a 10 year old or a 13 year old, I just knew this is helping me and what I'm thinking is absolutely affecting my life. And that, and that was all I knew as a child. So. so you're there, you're 10 years old, you're really frustrated, really annoyed, hating school like night, <laughs> right? Of, of us did, right? I, I was very similar to you in the regards that like I barely graduated high school. I had a 1.8 1. Oh, wow. <laughs> when I graduated high school and it wasn't, I was a bad kid, whatever it is. Yep. I just didn't connect to whatever I yep. could connect to. And there was life stuff and uh, family trauma and drama. Um, so I very much relate to that. And I know that as a practitioner of NET, and that's how I met you and your dad, um, how game changing it is. Cause I was also a client of it before I became a practitioner of it. Got it. And it was actually my first, I was going through panic attacks, um, okay. at a certain point in my life after going through uh, a certain part of uh, traumatic experience. And okay. the only thing that worked was NET. I tried acupuncture. I tried massage. I, I even started doing um, anti-anxiety medication, which okay. didn't solve the problem. Yeah. And within two to three sessions of going to a colleague of ours, um, everything went away. And a month right. later, I went, right? <laughs> which is like mind blowing. And then a month later, I took my first training. Uh, gotcha. So, so you're 10 years old and your dad comes home from this conference. And what was it like in your mind experiencing because if you don't know what NET looks like, it looks like something that came out of a Harry Potter movie. <laughs> yeah. The best way I can describe it, right? So from your experience, going back in your recollection, being 10 years old, what was happening in the moment when dad was doing this, this thing? It's, this it's thing. funny because I, I almost, it's funny as a 10-year-old versus me, I'm, I'm almost going to be 30 at, at, at this age. Because uh, I, I know that um, Dr. Uh, Dr. Deb Walker, so one of the, <laughs> the co-founders co of NET, talks about how, um, I'll, I'll answer your question in a second, but she, she was saying that how kids are so much better at NET because they don't really question it. It's just like, there's this, it's, you don't really, as a 10-year-old, you're like, how, <laughs> what did I do earlier today or last week that contributed to this? It's just like, ugh. This, is, this really sucks right now. You're I wish stuck. it would go away. You're really and, then it go, yeah. and then it goes away. And then I just, I never thought about it again until I reflected on it years later. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of, I think the biggest, that's something my dad has always said that it's, it's funny too, because there's just the way kids are kind of just, kids don't have that kind of self-reflection process yet. And I didn't have that kind of self-reflection process yet. It was just like, I guess also my dad was a chiropractor growing up mm -hmm. and I always had this alternative everything you know <laughs> everything that i did was kind of like a little bit different than my friends like we had healthy food and all these other things that my friends would come over like what's all this healthy weird stuff now now it's normal to eat organic food but back then my friends were like well, what is this stuff like why don't you have any twinkies oreos kale before kale was cool <laughs> yeah <laughs> but i mean i think that's the biggest for me like just i there was no reflection process and i think that that's i think where a lot of the trouble comes in that people are very we're all very I don't want to speak for everyone, but, but especially for, I guess when you, as you get older, you start to have, form beliefs and have uh, belief systems around how things work, that it, it's a lot, healing can become a much more difficult thing because you're already, you already have these preconceptions going in as opposed to me. I just put my arm up and was like, oh, okay, I'll think about this. I'll deal with this. And 
I, li I literally didn't think about it again. So I guess hopefully that answers the, the question. Yeah, definitely. Well, it's a great tie-in because the documentary that you created and co-created with a bunch yep. of our colleagues and Dr. Deb Walker, uh, who's the co-founder and her husband, Dr. Scott, who founded and created NET, that's what the documentary is about. So mm -hmm. how did that come about? I mean, obviously you grew up, like you just said, in yeah. the culture of, 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 of neuroemotional technique practitioners, but when did it come to you that this is something that you wanted to do? And So I guess this kind of ties into what I was saying earlier a little bit, that um, this has kind of been something I've been thinking about, or it, this, was, this was my dream project as probably when I was like at the end of high school in college around that time, that it was always like, I'd love to make a movie about NET and just tying back in a little more again, just that to, to trust that if there's something you're passionate about and it doesn't seem like it's going to work, like it doesn't seem like, because for me, I tried going into, I tried a bunch of different jobs, like working in the film industry and doing, working on TV shows and working on, working on commercials and working in post-production and all these different things. And none of it ever clicked for me. It all helped me learn a ton. I mean, without that, that all the, I, I was very against it at the time, you know, it's like, oh, I don't want to do this. I want to be doing something else. But it also, it structured me and helped me to have the skills I needed to once this opportunity came along, like I was ready, you know, and, and I was kind of where I was, I was at a point in my life where I needed, I needed a bigger challenge. You know, it was, I, I had, I wasn't being challenged mm. at the job I was at, you know, and, and it wasn't, I needed, I wanted to do something bigger. And this is something I had been thinking about for a long time. And I've always been very interested in alternative stuff, just kind of, like I said, because of my upbringing. And I've read a ton of books about science and spirituality because that's always been where I feel like it converges is that we're, we're both science and spirituality have always been going after the same thing. And which is just figuring out how to be health, healthier, happier, and how to just have some concept of what's going on in this world you know who we are what we are and how do we just live life optimally and i think that that's what they're trying to achieve but obviously along the way it's it's turned into this split which i think net kind of helps to bridge that gap a little bit because as when you experience NET and you realize that the physical and the spiritual and the mental and all of that comes together in this one moment it just kind of it just shifts your perspective a little bit as to what I mean, like I said, I grew up with it. So I, I always have to take myself, take a step back and realize that I grew up with this and the people I'm talking to have not grown up with this. So like, I, I, I kind of, I took that for granted for a little while that, oh yeah, of course your thoughts affect your life. That, that, that's common knowledge, but it, it, I found out that it wasn't. Well, so. what were some of the things before you even got there? What were some of the things that you were reading that um, put all this into place? Sure. So um, a, some big people were uh, Bruce Lipton with his, his uh, stuff just about the cells and just uh, how cells kind of, cells act. He, he studied cells for people that don't know. He did research on um, uh, different cells and that um, cells from the human body and that he would put them in, um, we would, he would take stem cells and he would put them in, in a culture of bone cultures and then in a culture with, with blood cells and tissue cells and wherever the cell was, it would just kind of join into that it would take the role of that. And he found out that cells acted just like people <laughs> and that they all went, went about carrying it. They have all the systems that we have, like an endocrine system, a nervous system, a reproductive system, all the same systems. And he found that what was going on at that level is the same thing that was going on at this level and that our mind is actually like the God of ourselves and that it's the higher consciousness, if you want to call it, the, the, greater, the greater consciousness of 
the cells and that obviously that us as human beings also have a greater mind, like the consciousness of the earth and that who knows how far up and down it goes, but that just kind of that, that was a big moment for me to just kind of, it also takes, takes your ego down a, down a notch to, you know, to think, to, to think that you know everything. Cause I think that a lot of, when you re start reading a lot of this stuff, you think, Oh, I know everything now, which is, uh, it, it's good to get a uh, put in check a little bit, which he, he calls that a, a cosmic, a cosmic joke that it, it's funny that every time you think we have it all figured out, there's a new piece of information that comes out. It goes, we don't have any clue. And, um, that was a big piece. And also Rupert Sheldrake, um, a lot of his, just his stuff on morphic resonance resonance and, um, his, uh, what, well, he came out with a new book I haven't read yet, but the last one, the science set free or the science delusion to kind of just realize that there's a lot of things that we're taking for granted that we're not realizing are going into all these experiments that we need to kind of come back to a place of complete and total inquiry that we don't, there's a lot more that we don't understand. And I think that those types of readings, again, whether or not that everything in it is completely true, that, that, that's, doesn't really matter to me. It's more that it gave me that curiosity back that there's always something to be learned from everyone you come in contact with and everything that's going on, something can be taken away from that. So, so now having that background, having grown up in India, sure. you're now going into making this documentary, which is now out. Why was it so important to you personally to get this out into the world? I think, uh, Personally, for me, just it's been such, a, such an enormous game changer. And um, something that I wasn't even aware of until I read that Rupert Sheldrake book was that the materialist understanding of the world, be it that there's nothing invisible. If you can't see it or measure it, it's not real. That I wasn't even aware that that was a pretty strong belief system. Mm -hmm. And that when you're coming from that place, I mean, let me back, let me just make sure I'm saying this correctly, that I think for me, just knowing that it works, I've had a hard time my entire life trying to communicate this properly, is that I know that it works, because I mean, I know that it works, and other people know that it doesn't, you know? So when I'm having that conversation, to tr for me, it was always like, they've, they've already made up their mind. So with this movie, I was trying to do the, my best to not, not say that I know anything and just kind of present the information as an inquiry. Again, that these are the experts telling their experiences with it, not me. You know, I'm just kind of reporting it. Like I know that it works for me and that's great, but I wanted to let the experts kind of tell the story themselves. And I think that because it's going against the current paradigm and against the current dogmas of, of how we understand ourselves and how healing happens that I was very, I wanted to be careful with how I was presenting the information because obviously people are going to write it off regardless and that, and that's okay. That's fine. And what I wanted to do was what was important to me was that we tell the truth to the best of our ability. And that is the best that I can do. And the best that we can all do is to be honest and share the, share how it's transformed my life and, many, many tens of thousands of people who have had NET change their lives. And we've been kind of sitting on this for a while because we were waiting for the scientific, re like the, the big study that they just did is the, the piece that people want to be able to even consider it. Because that's been the thing is like, if it's so real, then where's the science? Right. So now we did the science and it's like, okay, now we can finally start to open this dialogue that if this is working, 
it opens that for me, it opens the door of so many other alternative things that have been working for thousands of years, but there isn't the scientific validation for them. So I think that this opens, hopefully it should pour a lot of more money of people wanting to do more research for this kind of stuff, because this was all privately funded by the one foundation. So this is a $600,000 study that was funded by patients and practitioners. There was, it took a very long time to get to this place because everyone has been writing it off as, as it doesn't work. So I, I'm ha it's exciting to finally be at this time that it all kind of culminated at the same point that I was able to been dreaming about this for a long time and it all worked out nicely. So, um, yeah, it's I think really that's amazing how it because all came to together. See, yeah. To see what's happening out there. Um, I know recently one of the beautiful things that have come out from this, right, with with mm -hmm. documentary and the work that our practitioners, our fellow practitioners, are doing, is that um, it showed up recently on a TV show. Yes. Oh, yeah. Right? That's right. It showed up on Grey's Anatomy, and it's funny. I was talking to someone recently, trying to explain to them NET, and I'm talking to them about the One Foundation, uh, of which your dad is the current president, right, yes. and the work of the documentary. Um, and they're like, and the scientific research behind it. And I'm like, oh, and by the way, it was recently on Grey's Anatomy. They got more excited about it being a pop culture thing. Yeah. Like research. I don't care about the research. It was on Grey's Anatomy. Oh, <laughs> I'll definitely do it. <laughs> so there's still a little bit of a curve when it comes yeah, like the people who write. So on one side, it's like the people who are going to watch this documentary. They're going to, they're going to see the science. They're going to mm -hmm. see the research. They're going to see some of the brain studies and the MR, yes. the functional MRIs in there. But we, but there's still people out there who are going to be skeptical. Yes. And it's funny that some of the people who are skeptical don't care about the science. They have a pre you know, preconceived notion about like what exactly what you said about what healing is and how healing yes. can come about. Yes. And if it means using a neurological muscle test in Chinese medicine meridians to find old emotional stress patterns, yep. you're still going to have a predisposed yeah. block. Yeah, definitely. And for me, what's the way it's transformed my life, I've been making a joke that the amount of NET it took for me to do the NET documentary yeah. was, was, was pretty funny because I, it brought up a lot of my blocks, but there's something so interesting because I've been also been meditating quite a bit lately and I've been able to, I used to not be able to sit still for more than like five or 10 minutes and I've been recently been able to have two hour meditations, which is something I thought was never even possible for me. But getting past those blocks, because I, I found that sometimes you have to sit still and meditate for an hour maybe, maybe longer to get to what is what's bothering me right now. And, and in minutes, NET is just like, this is it. This is, this is your issue. And, and it lets you connect dots in ways that it's like, oh my God, I would have never even considered that that thing from when I was eight is, is bothering. And that's why I'm, oh my God. And then when you connect those dots and you feel through it, you feel those emotions and you let it go and you get that just reset. It's just like, now all of a sudden your whole perspective of life has widened. It's like that thing that happened when I was younger that I thought was defining the way I interact in these types of situations. It's like, Oh, it wasn't actually so bad. And I realized that that actually kind of helped me for that other thing that I was doing. And it's like, wow, I, this thing that I thought was a terrible thing was actually an amazing piece of my life that helped me grow and expand. And, and I think that since being able to pinpoint those things in a matter of minutes is just that, it, like I said, it, it's tough. It, I want to be able to I shout it at the rooftops that this is the greatest thing that's ever happened. But Again, the, the, there is a learning curve, and and, and we, I guess I, I just I've become okay with that. That it's okay that it's going to expand at the rate that it is. And I think that for right now, this documentary has been great for people that have a friend 
It's like someone like me, it's like I've been doing NET my whole life. And it's like, well, how does it work? It's like, well, you can watch. Now I don't have to explain it anymore. It's like, I'll let all the experts explain it. And yeah, uh, it's been, a, it. yeah, <laughs> exactly. And it's been a good, uh, a good piece to kind of, for the people that are curious, if someone's like, I don't believe in this at all, let me watch. They're not going to be converted. You know, if you're already deciding it doesn't work, because a big part of healing for me has been wanting to be healed. And if you don't want to be healed, you're not going to be, if, if you're not willing to be, uh, co-op like being a co-op with the healing process you have to want to do it and if you if it's not healing has always been a passion in my life and just being my best self and letting go of these blocks it's a passion and it's it's my top priority in life and if there's one piece of advice that i can give for people that are younger than me coming up that whatever your passion is it will find a way you know if if there's something that you really want to do like for me this is what i've wanted to do. And I know that I'm going to do many more things beyond this. And I don't even know if filmmaking is my final step that I, I, I've been enjoying speaking. I really enjoy speaking a lot lately and that'll lead to where it leads. But I think to just always realize and just trust that if you're following your passion and you're excited about the work that you're doing, that that's going to lead you to a better place. And I found that NET has been an enormous piece for me in just getting rid of those blocks that, oh, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve this much money. I don't, all those kinds of things that sabotage the stuff you're trying to do. And I wasn't even really aware of that. Even growing up with NET, it wasn't until probably like five, five or six years ago when it started to really click for me, it was like, oh my goodness, all these, all of these blocks that I have and that I wasn't even conscious of. And I think that's been a big, big, big piece for me. Well, and if you didn't leave working for somebody else, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. this yeah. happened this would have been it would have been a, a, a side project but yeah do you think it really happened had you not created indigo rising um probably I, I mean where i was at my job at the time again this was coupled with meditation and net it was net and i was at it actually at a uh i went at a meditation group with 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 a friend and it was just in that moment just whatever the energy was there that just kind of let this stuff go i just let it go. And it just, it, it just, this whole, I had this whole wave of energy through my whole body and there's just a massive amount of space was created. And then all that popped up in my head, it was just like, I need to quit my job today. And that was it. I quit my job that day. The next, that night I wrote my boss and I said, thank you so much. It's been amazing working here and I need to leave. And I had been doing some editing for the one foundation. That was kind of what led into that. But it was just, as I quit, it just kind of all, culminated into this thing that they it was the time for a documentary the study was published and it just kind of all worked and for me I think that I wasn't ready until then until I finally made the decision that no I'm now it's time and you know and just really making that decision that as long as I had a safety net it wasn't going to happen that just like letting it go and create opening that space and Again, I still used NET to clear out more blockages because I made that decision. And then it's funny, like- That opens up a whole bunch like, of new things. Exactly. So oh, should, should I really be doing this? Is this really the right? So just being able to let all that go. And uh, it's just been such an invaluable to- tool in my life. And it's been really great. <laughs> You're hitting on something so cool because the average person, I can't remember what the research says, but the average person now, right, in our time frame, is going to go through multiple jobs or multiple careers as opposed mm-hmm. to people back in the day, went from college, went to their job, they did that till they retired. Yep. So this, this pursuit of purpose, this pursuit of passion mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. really alive, especially for 
our age bracket, right? That, that yep. the, the newer, younger millennials, which are, which are getting a bad rap. But I yep. think the fact is that a lot of them are really pursuing purpose and passion more so than just getting a job for that necessary, for that stability and having their yep. paycheck. And, and, mm-hmm. and it sounds to me like you are in that pursuit as yep. far back as, as you can remember. Yeah. And, I, and I think that also something that I was realizing recently is that like the, the, the better life that our grandparents dreamed about is right. This is what this is. That, this is that better life. And, and, and we have to understand that things that happened to my grandparents, so my great grandparents that came over on a boat, on a boat, they got on a boat, left everything they had and just went to a new country. And like that was, so you have to under, I, I think for a lot of people listening to understand that they did the best they could teaching their children, which is my grandparents, teaching their children, which are my parents, and a lot of those belief systems, which is like, there's not going to be enough, there may not be food, there may not be money, those beliefs are still in us. And that if we don't- certain people that are outside of your- Exactly, exactly. And that that different types of people shouldn't be, all that kind of stuff that is emotional baggage and we're holding it. It's not your fault. Somebody threw a bunch of bags and said, hold this, and you go, do I need to be holding this still? And like, no, you don't. And I think that that's what NET has done is that, wow, all of these beliefs from generation after generation being passed down. And I think that that's kind of the split that like, you should have a job and just work it forever. But we're in a place now where we're not, I mean, for, the mo- for most people in America, at least, that mm-hmm. we're safe. We're not in a war zone. Right. You know, like we have food and we're able to, we have access to a lot of things. And I think that because of those belief systems that are still there, that people are in a job or, or whatever they're doing and they're still in that like, oh my God, I need to survive place. And you're in that mental state that no matter what you're doing, you're, even if you have the best job in the world, you're still like, oh God, where's my purpose? What's going on? And, you know, and, and that for me has been a big, I guess, wake up call, you know, just w- realizing that all of my problems are in my head. <laughs> yeah. so nobody, if I'm sitting here in, my, um, in this chair in my apartment and there's, nobody's hurting me, I have all the food I need, that any problem I'm going through right now is imaginary. That if I, that that's, I, I'm replaying stories in my head and I need to let go of that because it's no longer serving me. It's no longer serving me helping the world. Because if, if, if I'm doing that, I'm staying small and I, I'm really scared about everything what I'm doing, then I'm not giving my gifts and I'm not able to impact the world in the way that I know that I should be able to. Right. You're done playing small. It's so interesting. What you're saying is that Gary Vaynerchuk talks a lot about what you just said. So you heard a lot of that there for (laughs) right. My grandparents, my, my dad's dad also came over from, uh, he survived Nazi Germany and escaped uh, from one of the trains on the way to a death. Wow. And then, you know, came here and started a furniture business two generations ago. Um, What he started and now my brother and sister have taken it over. So it's third generation business, but first world problems for our grandparents. Right. (laughs) Yeah, it was really first. It was really like it wasn't first world problems. It was second, third world because they were really culture, language, whatever other you know discriminations that they had to deal with as immigrants. Mm-hmm. We're still dealing with that in society on a lot of levels today. But our first world problems, mm-hmm. you yeah. right, like you were saying, <laughs> that level of gratitude that I think what I'm understanding from you and what you're really trying to do give over is that between meditation and self awareness and reading and 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 getting okay with getting information out of your comfort zone is mm-hmm. the keys to radical success and winning life. Yes, de- de- oh, definitely. And uh, that's, I went through a different period of 
I mean, I think that it's natural to um, go through a lot of different emotions. Cause I mean, if, if you have a lot of pent up anger from things that happen when you're a kid, that you're going to have to feel that stuff to, to transcend it and to, and to move forward in life because it's, it's still, if, if you haven't dealt with it, it's going to come up at some point. And it, and a lot of times it's going to come out and you don't deal with it in a, in NET kind of allows for a controlled environment to deal with your, your baggage, right. as opposed to it coming out when you're out with a group of friends and you freak out for no apparent reason, you have no idea why it's happening. It's better to deal with it proactively than have to wait until it, you get pushed to a point where you just get into this, you start crying or screaming or something happens where you lash out at your partner or your parents or somebody that didn't necessarily do anything in that moment to, to deserve that. Yeah. So I think that has helped me kind of reflect that when, if, if I'm lashing out, it's not that person, it's me. And I have to do some internal, uh, some reflecting and, and, and searching to figure out why I'm acting in that way. Because if, like you were saying, that we're not, we're not living in Nazi Germany, you know, like we're not living in that place. We're living in a, we have a pretty good life <laughs> being in America and have a lot of opportunities. And um, yeah, I think that there's just a lot, a lot right now. Um, Sadhguru actually um, has said that our biggest problem in, 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 in the 80% of people that are living with that have shelter and food and everything like that, our biggest problem is that we have an incredibly vivid uh, imagination and an incredibly good memory that we replay these things that aren't happening and that that's our biggest problem. And if we can just transcend that, that we can be such a bigger help to the world that I think for me for a long time, it's like, how do I fix the world? How do I fix all these problems? But if I haven't helped myself, I always use the, the uh, example of on an airplane, they say to put on your face mask before you help anybody else. It's the same exact concept that if you don't help yourself, how are you possibly going to help anybody else? And I think that that's been a, a big wake up call over the past couple of years that I need to really work on myself. And the more I've worked on myself, that everything out there just all of a sudden start, starts to kind of fix itself. And I, I have better relationships and everything starts to get better automatically because I'm putting out better energy and I'm, allow, I'm allowing for greater things to come into my life. Which is apparent because two weeks ago of all the princesses in all of the world decided <laughs> to walk down the aisle and spend their life with yeah. you, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, right, you. The cosmic sheer number of yeah. wait, 80 billion, how many billion people are on this earth and you met each other yeah. at the right time in the right place yeah. and to be a match for each other, right? Emotionally, yeah. spiritually. Yeah. These are miracles that we're, we're, we're taking for granted every day. Absolutely. So, so I, I, I really want to thank you for sharing all these incredible insights. I want to right. congratulate you not only just on the success of, 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 of your recent wedding, but the success of becoming a person who is really winning life. And, thank and you. Really <laughs> your purpose and your, and your passion. And, and if people want to reach out to you, if they want to find you, if they want to follow you, how can they do that? Uh, so my, uh, my website, indigorisingfilms.com, um, that has like projects and stuff on there. I also have uh, the... Uh, Instagram, Indigorizing Films. I, I'm going to start becoming a little more active on these things again. Um, also on my website, you can get to uh, my YouTube channel. That's where uh, probably the most active there doing a variety of different things. And um, uh, L as in Luke, F as in Francis Segreto. Uh, that's my, uh, other, my main Instagram handle. Um, I'm not sure which one I'm going to be the most active on in the days, but that, that's kind of where my website, you can reach out. There's a submission form if you want to reach out. Um, happy to, happy to, talk to anybody well, and then there's a <laughs> website also for the documentary if i'm not mistaken yeah so stressed doc so stressed doc.com and uh yeah you can uh i guess so that'll be coming up soon uh there's going to be some some exciting news coming out about that soon and uh yeah there's a uh, anyone that's interested I, I obviously please watch the movie it's uh been great and there'll be new, some new, new news uh coming out soon
Very cool. Well, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. This is, this is a lot of fun. <laughs> We're looking forward to being in touch again soon. Great. Thanks for listening to the You Winning Life podcast. If you are ready to minimize your personal and professional struggles and maximize your potential, we would love it if you subscribe so you don't miss an episode. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at You Winning Life.